morning is going to be no banter. I believe God really wants to speak with us this morning. And we welcome you people back, and Bobby Joe and from America and what have you, we welcome you. But I just want to bring what God wants to bring. I do believe emphatically that this year is a year of increase in everything. In everything. This morning I want to look at a certain topic, a well, well known topic, and let's see what God's going to say to us through it. Amen. In Luke's Gospel, chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. Uh, we're going to read a story, well-known story, verse 25. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested Jesus, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered rightly, do this and you will live. But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, who is my neighbor? Jesus answered and said, a certain man went down to Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves. who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise a Levite, when he arrived at the place when he came and looked, and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him, and went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn and took care of him. On the next day when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him, whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he answered and said to him, who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. This passage of scripture has everything to do with increase. It's one of the most misunderstood passages of scripture in the Bible. People read this, this story that Jesus portrays here and they think the point of the story is the good Samaritan tending to the man. That's not the point of the story. It's not... We built social care on the back of church, on the back of this story. You know, even the communists quote this story. The trouble is they don't live up to it. Just ask Putin with his 300 million pound private yacht. Communism doesn't work. No. Only Jesus works. Amen. People think that this story is about helping people. No, it's not. No, it's not. 
We, we take it at face value. Jesus taught in parables, taught in parables deliberately, that underneath to those who had ears to hear, who the Holy Spirit could speak to and listen, they would listen, could understand what he was really saying. Unless you have spiritual ears on this morning, you will not understand what he's saying. This is one of the most powerful parables in the whole of the Bible because it brings increase. So what's the truth of the story? What's the truth of this parable? It's not about social justice. It's not about care. That's a byproduct. It's there, but it's a byproduct. It's not the product. Who was Jesus? What role was he acting in when he answered this lawyer? Which of his four ministries was he moving in? Was he moving in priest? No. Was he moving in prophet? No. Was he moving in Lord? No. He was moving in Savior. The parables are all about salvation. All the parables are about salvation. Don't take them at their face value because there's more hidden away underneath. And he reveals them to the, what it is to those who want to hear what he's saying. Now, the scene. A lawyer, an intelligent man, stands up and he tries to test Jesus. Let me tell you something. It's far better to submit to Jesus than try to test him. Yes. Yes, sir. You see, that told me something about this man's character right away. The man had an arrogance. He had a rudeness. He thought it was all up here. I can suss out this Jesus. I know I'm better than this Jesus. It's the same question that was asked by Nicodemus. What must I do to inherit eternal life? What is the path? to a right relationship with the Father, the guarantee that you're going to heaven has to be through Jesus. There is no other way. There's no other prophet, and that's a risky thing to say on the internet. We're on it this morning on YouTube. There is no other way but Jesus. Isn't it perverse that he's asking the life giver about gaining eternal life, but he doesn't believe in the life giver? So Jesus quotes what the law says, and I won't read it, we're running short of time where I want to go. I don't want to preach very long this morning. Jesus quotes from Deuteronomy, actually. You shall love your God with all your heart, with all your mind, in all your being. You see, 
Nothing comes over serving God. Everything comes out of loving God. It's a big difference. Morning, Tracy. Nothing comes out of serving God. When we just serve God, we're doing it with our own intellect and understanding. But when we fall in love with the Father through Jesus, totally difference total difference so Jesus quotes the law now the Old Testament requires a perfect love of God as we know the law demands but the law is a school teacher to bring us to Christ the law there is to point us to Christ the law says you can't keep me you might be intellectually brilliant but you can't keep the law Impossible, except through Jesus, who fulfilled the law. So, he gives the right answer. Jesus said, well, what must I do? I've got to love God, I've got to love my neighbor. And the word goes on in, in Matthew, as you love yourself. It's a tough order. He views himself, this lawyer, views himself highly. He's not in a position to receive bad news. Unless you're in a position to get an appraisal of your real self before God, you can't get the good news. You can't receive the good news. Unless you accept the fact that you were born in sin, and all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You can't receive the good news of the gospel. That Jesus came to give us life. And life more abundantly. Eternal life. So. He shows us his opinion of himself. An opinionated man. An opinionated person. He says to Jesus in his arrogance. Who's my neighbor? So who's my neighbor? He wants to know who his neighbor is because his opinion might be slightly different of that to Jesus. He's got an, such a high opinion of himself that he knows everything. But he's missed the point of his own condition. You see, you can be in a church for years and years and years. You can hear sermon after sermon, teaching after teaching, home group after home group, whatever it may be, and miss your own condition. You can be very quick to speak to others. You can be very quick to point out to others and quote scripture to others and miss your own condition. Until Jesus walks in. He's a bit hostile to the implication of Jesus that he's not righteous or not justified. That he hasn't got eternal life. Jesus has just quoted him, the scripture. 
that he's not right with God. So, he says, I do love my neighbor, but who is my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? The rabbis say, hate your neighbor. The teaching of the day is the Jews, we are the select chosen of God. Everybody else is my enemy. Everybody outside of my social circle, everybody outside of my religious circle are, is my enemy. Jesus says, love your enemies. Wow. Wow. All he loved was those around him in his very narrow circle of acquaintances, of intellectual people that they could debate for probably for hours and hours the very infinite depth of the law still not be saved sad you know this is one of the saddest stories in the whole of the bible here's a man who meets jesus the life giver sad so many people go to church and never meet jesus So much so that his select band had turned to really just hating people. Well, I could never be like that, Rob. I just dislike people. And Jesus says, if you don't love them, you actually hate them. So who's my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? It has to be someone who is as righteous as I am. Then I can love them. Not Jesus' version. He thinks he can enter heaven by his morality and his virtue and his knowledge. I love the reaction of Jesus because Jesus is moving in his role as savior. He could have at this point just walked away from him. Jesus could have turned his back and said, you righteous, you're so righteous, you can't even see that you're a sinner and walked away from him. But he doesn't. He stands there He's giving this man a wonderful opportunity for salvation. He engages him in an act of evangelism. I love the way Jesus goes about evangelism, evangelizing. He doesn't do it like we do. You don't have to knock a door to evangelize. In fact, most Christians are actually afraid now of knocking doors. Evangelizing is simply talking to someone at their level and seeing what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. 
and then just repeating it. He engaged him. Why did he engage him? Because he wants to crush. Jesus wants to crush his righteous spirit. Unless his righteous spirit is crushed, salvation can't come for that man. It's a stumbling block. Our, righteous, our own righteousness is a stumbling block of the goodness of God. So, the priest comes by. What does the priest do? Got to get to church on time. <laughs> Got to get to the temple on time. Sorry, pal. I'm on a mission. And walks by. He neither cares for the man's condition or his deeper condition of salvation. Why? Because he can't offer that to him. Because he doesn't know Jesus himself. So he's in a position of trying to serve people without loving God. Most of us behave that way. We see situations and sometimes through fear, sometimes through whatever, I think, well, I couldn't go and deal with that. When I get home, I'll phone the pastor. Jesus has to get into the point of realizing that he is lost before he can get him saved. And that is the point of evangelism. Unless you understand you need a savior, you will never meet one. You will never meet Jesus. So there's no increase. There's been no increase in your own life. You'll just keep plodding along, turning it out, turning it out. This guy thinks he's so clever, but he's in a mess. But I've got someone who is interested in me. I don't know, I no longer defend myself. Don't try and defend yourself. You don't have to. Let God defend you. When you know where your feet are planted and when you are persuaded by Jesus, you don't have to defend yourself. Because no one can touch you. Doesn't matter how intellectual they are. It's interesting we... Years ago, there was a funeral here, a Tupper funeral, and one of the family members came in, an older gentleman, and everybody in the family said, 
Uncle Niren. He's incredibly intellectual, incredibly intelligent. If it, whatever you say to you, he'll turn it around and, and he'll browbeat you and everything else. So, okay. And we were stood there drinking tea and coffee and over he came. And he said to me, interesting what you said, Rob. You said that Jesus is God. I've never heard that before. I said, well, you don't read your Bible, do you? I said, you go to John's Gospel. I've been going to church for 30-odd years, and I've never heard that Jesus is God. You're going to the wrong church. And we had an interesting dialogue for 10 minutes and he walked away. And a member of the family came up to me and said, I've never seen that done before. <laughs> I wasn't aggressive towards him. You don't have to be. Just let the Holy Spirit tell you what to say. Because the Holy Spirit does the work of salvation. It's the Holy Spirit that cuts through. Not your intellect, not how much scripture you can quote. This priest knew the law. Of course, if he touched that body, that, that guy had been beaten up by the thieves, if he was to touch, he'd be contaminated. And I wouldn't be able to go to the temple. And I wouldn't be able to put on my fine robes. I wouldn't be able to look the part. I wouldn't be able to minister. And all my fans around would think, where is he? You know, there's always a choice about which you want to do. Who are you trying to please? You'd expect the priest who represented God to do something, wouldn't you? No, he doesn't. Because he doesn't know the Father. He knows a God, but he doesn't know the God, our Father in heaven. He had no compassion. He just represents a very righteous system that's still in place today. Yeah. Still there. Yeah. Sadly, people are going to churches where they don't hear about Jesus. I can probably tell you, in, in this land this morning, there'll be many sermons preached, and a lot of them will just be social sermons. A Levite came, passed by on the other side, another religious man. If he loved God, he would have loved his neighbor. You see, your actions belay what's happening inside you. Yeah. And sometimes it is easier to walk on the other side of the road. They, both these guys, the Levite and the priest, don't have eternal life. You see, that is the real issue. Do you have eternal life or not? 
Now something horrendous is going to happen to this lawyer. Jesus said, a Samaritan came along. Just see the hackers go up on this lawyer's face. He knows by now he's losing this. He knows this is getting out of control. His hackers go up and Jesus said, a Samaritan came by. And we know the story. The Samaritan stopped, bandaged up his wounds, took him to an inn, paid two months' salary to the innkeeper. He said, when I come back, I'll if I owe any more, I'll repay you. Isn't that what Jesus said to us? Whatever you do in my name. When I come back, and I'm coming back, yes. I'm going to repay you. Whatever you've done in my name, I'm going to repay you. A hated man did what the other two should have done. But he does the right thing. So Jesus said to him, which of these, these group of three do you think was his neighbor? He says to him, go and do likewise. Now, challenge comes. Jesus says in the New Testament, love your neighbor as you love yourself. First of all, I talked about this on the other Wednesday evening, but I'll go over a little bit of it again. You have to love yourself. That's not with an arrogance. That's been removed by the blood of Jesus. When you love Jesus, when you accepted him as your Lord and Savior, the love of God came into your heart by the Holy Spirit. He didn't give you half of his love. And we're going to deal with this. We'll get, there. we'll get there in a minute. He didn't give you half of his love and say to you, keep asking me for the other half. He said, no, you've got all my love. The total love of God lives within you. We'll get to one in a minute. What Jesus is really saying is this. If you love yourself, here comes the test. Whatever you spend on yourself, you should spend on your neighbor. Wow. I can see some reaction in the room already. Listen, don't blame me. Don't take it out on me. You love your neighbor as you love yourself. Yeah, but, 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 yeah, but, yeah, but. Jesus said, there's no buts in there. 
This, what he's talking about, is total love for your neighbor, whoever your neighbor is. Jesus has just raised the bar way above the law because he's fulfilled the law. And he's saying, if you love God, you will love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. i got to find a neighbor who likes riding e-bikes <laughs> and likes coming out with me fishing. So I can love them. <laughs> now it doesn't mean that at no. all. Now it just means love them. Yeah. Who does this kind of thing? Well, we love it when we hear about someone who does it. Mother Teresa, oh, wonderful woman. Look at what she did. Look at her lifestyle. Wonderful. What if God said to you, do likewise? Oh, no, he'd never say that to me. What if he said to you in the middle of Asda, stop and speak to that person about me? Wow. Well, yes, I know what you're saying, Rob. I used to do that years ago. In my early days as a Christian, I used to, but I don't seem to be doing. Why? I'm not putting blame on anybody. I'm just pointing out. Unless we understand and analyze something of our own motives, how are we going to love our neighbor? Well, I'll speak to the nice ones. I'm not going to speak to anybody who sort of shaved the side of his head and only got a bit of hair on top. <laughs> Even if they are assistant pastor. <laughs> I wish I could do that, you know. Well, I wish I could reverse it. I can grow the sides, I can't grow the top. No, I'm not bantering. Come read Ephesians chapter 3. Just want to show you something. Because this is tough stuff. How, how can I love in the way in which Jesus wants me to love without feeling guilty? Because it's not a guilt trap this morning. No condemnation. Okay. Now, Ephesians chapter 3. I said it on the Wednesday evening, I'll say it again now. There's a wonderful verse in there that we all quote, but we quote it out of context. And it's verse 20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. Oh, we love that verse. And we, we take a situation, I can say with the new church building, I believe my God can do abundantly over and above anything I can even ask. And that's not wrong to do it, but it's not the context in which it's been written. 
we're very quick, very often as charismatic Pentecostal Christians, to quote scripture, but we quote most of them out of context. And when we quote them out of context, they're not as powerful as when they are in context. Yes, my God can do above, and I'm living testimony to that. So what's the contest? Context, not the contest. What's the contest? That he would grant you according, go back up to verse 16, the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might in the inner man through his spirit, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints which, what is the width, the length, and the depth, and the height, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you might be filled with the fullness of God. My God, now I cannot understand in the natural the width, the height, the depth. I cannot uncomprehend it. I know God is immense in his love. But Paul's saying here that you can know the length, the height, the depth of his love. That tells me it's a progressive revelation. When I got saved, I knew something of the love of God in my heart. But Paul's saying it doesn't end there. But why? How can I know th this immense love and I'll never outknow it? He's saying this. You cannot know it in the natural. But my God is able to do abundantly over and above anything you can even ask or think. My God will give you the ability to know the depth and the height and the width of his love. Why? That you might love your neighbor as you love God. It's not natural. I can't give to my neighbor that which I give to myself in the natural, it's not there. Be truthful, it's not, is it? But when the love of God, and I start to understand more and more about his love, why his love was given to me, how much his love means to me, what his love has done for me, I start to understand something of the height, the depth, and the width. Because my God says, Paul says, my God is able to do that. That's the context of that verse. That we might love other people. With the love of God. By the Holy Spirit. And I said to you just now, you've got the love of God in you. You just don't understand what is the height, the depth, and the width of it. I don't, but I want to comprehend it. I want to, and it's, it's, it's almost a paradox here. It says that you might, um, uh, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you may be very degree and love me. Do you ever comprehend to know that's not the verse? The whole family that you were granted according to his riches, you strengthen with might, that Christ may dwell in your hearts, so that you may root and grant with love to be able to comprehend. To know the love of God which passes understanding. Amen.
I didn't either. You can't get it by human intellect. This rich young ruler, this lawyer, thought he could get it by knowledge. You can't. God's chosen the foolish things to confound the mighty, the things that are of nothing to pull down those who think they are. Look at the person next to you and say, you're overqualified. got nothing but God's got everything when you really know that you can do nothing but in Christ do all things there's a context to that which my brother John's going to pick out in a couple of weeks and chat in the chapel You know what's sad? I said at the beginning, it's one of the saddest portions of Scripture. Because when Jesus told him to go and love his neighbor as himself, there's no response from the lawyer. End of dialogue. That's sad. That's sad. Does it really matter to you when people don't accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior? Yes, it does. <coughs> does it really matter? And we and we sing the songs sometimes and we get excited and rightly so about the fact that we're going to heaven and going to glory. What about those who reject? Does it really excite you that it's coming a day when every knee will bow before Jesus? Oh, yeah, they'll bow, they'll bow. You shouldn't have that attitude. It's wrong. There should be sadness in you because they never bowed when they had the chance. This year is going to be a year of increase. In fact, it's been already a year of increase, but it's going to increase even more. That has to increase through the love of God. I want to be part of a group of people who just love God. Do we get everything right? Don't be stupid. No. Do we want to get everything right? Yes. But above all that, above every activity in this church, it has to be based in one thing or two things. Or one thing, actually. One thing. One relates to the other. For people, the newer people that are in, you might understand, not understand why we have two, two names to this church. We're North Plymouth Community Church and the Worship Center. It's two different names. It's a bit confusing which church do I belong to. 
I long to boast. When we first moved up here, we called this place the North Plymouth Community Church. The community side is the outworking into the community of the love of God. A couple of years ago, not many years ago, God said to me, I want to add a name to the church, call it the Worship Centre. I said, well, why? And the simple answer was this. There's only one thing that the Father is looking for. Those that will worship him in spirit and in truth. It's the only thing the Father is looking for. Because he knows, the Father knows, if he can have worshipers, he'll have lovers. So we're the worship center. That doesn't make us elite. Sounds like that, but it's not meant, it doesn't make us elite from any other church. But I want to be part of a, a church that worships God. But worships him because we love him. And the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And I want to understand what is the height, the depth, to comprehend. Because it passes understanding. It's not natural. I want to be part of a group of people who don't want to serve God. But want to love him. And in loving, you'll serve. But it just won't feel like service. It doesn't feel like service. For me, it doesn't feel like I'm still serving God after 85, 90 years, or however old I am, I don't know. No, it doesn't. When I stood up to preach this morning, felt like the first time. I want to maintain that. Yeah. Yeah. Out of my love for God. Yeah. When I sit in that chair in the next couple of weeks, Dan will be on. I'm not looking at what he's preaching, trying to tear it apart. I'm just sat there going, go for it, boy. Because yeah, yeah. you love Jesus. Go for it. Go for it. Yeah. Makes no difference to me whether I'm at the front or sat there. Just go for it. Yeah. Just go for Jesus. I am brought it in the way in which I planned to bring it this morning. It's a bit scrappy, but challenges do you live in this morning? Do you still have that joy of your salvation? Is it still a joy to be saved? Or is it an endurance race to get to the end? Do you love him this morning? Some do, some are nodding. Do you love him this morning? Yes. Yes. 
Do you really love him this morning? Do you love this Jesus more than yourself? Then love your neighbor. Love them into the kingdom. We are saved, both Wendy and I, because others loved us into the kingdom. Don't give up. Don't back off. Don't. And don't doubt God. Don't doubt him. When you doubt God, you're taking away the only resource you have at your disposal. Don't doubt him. What God has said to you, will come to pass. Well, put a Bible stand. Are you ready in a minute? I speak Jesus. I speak Jesus over you this morning. I've got nothing else to give you. Nothing else to give you, but I speak Jesus over you this morning. Those watching online, those that will watch online in the future, I speak Jesus over you. I speak Jesus over them. That person online, and you're wondering what to do with some money, I speak Jesus into you. I speak Jesus into broken hearts. I speak Jesus into those who are asking. I speak Jesus over you. Because his name is powerful. All powerful. Speak Jesus. My child, go again. Believe me again. Believe me again. Trust me again. Don't lean onto your own understanding. But trust me. Because I've coming to you this day as Savior, as Lord, as your priest, your high priest, as your coming King. I'm coming to you again this morning and simply saying, trust me. Trust me. 